Adventure Center, Dogman, Good Spirits, White Noise, Technique, <laughs> The Light of Falling Stars, The Complete Memphis Mini, The Neighborhood Project. Oh, wait, now you're reading, you're reading book spines, aren't you? Reading book spines. I didn't yeah. realize until, until I heard uh, one of my own. Yes. <laughs> Eddie, what's yeah. new? How are you? It's the Granta edition <laughs> that I'm looking at. Hey, um, listen to this. This is very exciting. Let's see if it works. Work, work. Hello. 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 Hello, John. Hello, Ed. Nice technique. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I set up. I've. I. I set up uh, all my Zoom stuff and my music stuff through the same mixer this is something i've been meaning to do but so that i don't have to reconfigure my entire system every time i change the purpose of my desk um but that means that now i can apply musical effects to my own uh my own voice can you auto-tune you have auto-tuning is that uh, one of the things you do i i have um i could do it yeah i probably could do it come to think of it i'm not set up to do it right now but if you want i could sound like share or a rapper one or the other, please. <laughs> Share the wrapper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's good to see you, John. It's been oh, a little while. It's great to see you. You look good. You look very yeah. different from the way you do in the giant poster <laughs> in the stairwell of my building. I don't know why I sent that picture. <laughs> it was a little more up to date than the like the author photos I have. But it's also out of date. That's from like the... The height of the pandemic, uh, with the beard and shaggy hair. Yeah, to the uninitiated uh, listener, Ed 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 looks um, Ed, Ed looks like he has sent this author photo from a nuclear submarine, and yes. now as our undergraduates c- come come climbing down the stairs from class, the th- mm. the last thing that greets their eyes before they leave the building is this grizzled maniac who is they're being warmed is coming to yes. campus. <laughs> Yeah, and the uh, I noticed from what you sent the uh, the other guests who are on my left and right are well composed and have nice photographs of themselves. <laughs> yes, they're very professional. I feel very bad that uh, my sloppy uh, photo choice um, may uh, affect the way other people are seen. Well, I have the opportunity to um, uh, rehabilitate the. Um the the public outcry uh, that's doubtless going to follow from your photo, um, because I have been assigned to introduce you introduce you at your reading. So I have oh, to very good. Very good. I have to think of some things to say uh, about you. Yeah, I find this is sort of akin to the. I'm I'm not very sympathetic to people who get upset when one doesn't answer an email promptly if it is a personal email because. Um, a professional email, you just want to finish it as quickly as possible. It's not close to your heart. Uh, it's easy to discharge the responsibility. Right. Uh, but Somebody with- needs to be told to stop eating the uh, uh, the caprese salads that you brought from home in the break room refrigerator. Exactly. Exactly. Don't touch Darlene's salad, please. Whoever is eating Darlene's caprese salads. Yeah. You must stop. That's an easy email yeah. to to write. But, Type and um, send. 
Type and send, I say. But, uh, you know, a, a generous personal correspondence, you don't reply to right away um, because you want to think about it. And this is one of those assignments where I, you know, it should be easy because I know I know almost no one as well as I know you. And yet I have no idea where to even begin other than to recite a list of the things that you've written. You can just read this. You can just read the spines of books in the broom. <laughs> it seems it's now a time honored, uh, a time honored uh, scoot tactic. So until you feel the uh, the audience interest dwindling, and then <laughs> um, then you can on. arrive to save the day. That's what yes. I'll do. I'll bore them. <laughs> yes, anything would be better than than me. Well, whatever you come up with will be fine. <laughs> I'll appreciate any. Any, I'm, a, I'm looking forward to the whole trip. Going to be out at uh, uh, Cornell University next month. Yep. And uh, reading uh, poems, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. The the other wrinkle is that, and I've I've been more uh, I've been more open saying this since it's coming down the pike right away. Uh, my wife and I are about to have a baby, and it might happen. <laughs> <laughs> it might happen the second you arrive in town. It's not yes. supposed to happen until a couple of weeks later. But, um, but there's a my wife's family uh, has a history of uh, babies arriving before uh, before uh, they're scheduled to. So yeah, a first first child it's it's a, it's a meaningless number, a meaningless date. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so who but, knows? Uh, it'll be happy whenever it happens. Yeah, and if and if that uh, unfortunate coincidence occurs, then the good thing is you'll you'll probably get to meet it. I want to. Yes. Yeah. I'm, no, whatever uh, whatever happens. So, what are you going to read? Poems. I think yeah, I'll read poems from the last couple of books. I think, and if I write anything new, I'll read that. But I I haven't written anything new for a while. Yeah. So. So I probably won't read that. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't been out to Ithaca, New York in maybe a decade. No, I don't think you have. I think it might have been when you came. We did that uh, photo. I took photos and you wrote poems about them. um, Right. uh, Event that we did. Yeah. It was when I was when I was at George Washington University. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. It was fun. Um, I'm looking forward to reading the new manuscript, if I may say that there's a new manuscript. Yeah, yeah, you may. Um, I was I, I was debating with myself whether or not I wanted to talk about it, because it's one of these things where the more I talk to, I like talking about it because I'm excited about it, but the more I talk about it, the more emotionally invested I get in uh, it being a success. And, and I'm leery of that. But yes, I wrote a novel very quickly this summer in exasperation with uh, uh, literary culture and um, literary gestures. Mm -hmm. I decided to try an entirely different genre. That is the crime thriller. uh, And I've gone out of my way to make it just a straight crime thriller. I mean, you'll, it still reads like a Lennon book. You'll, you will recognize it as my style, but um it has your name on it, for example. <laughs> it does. It's yeah. right there. That's the how top. I usually can tell that uh, uh, who who wrote the book. Yeah, right there on the first page of the manuscript, you will find my name. So yeah, I look I look at the front page, and sometimes uh, it's in the upper right hand corner as well. Yeah, 
And then if there's still some mystery on the last page, it'll say, uh, the end, my name is J. Robert Lennon. <laughs> yeah. Or Thomas Hardy, you know, whoever happened to write that. The end, my name is Jamaica Kincaid. Exactly, as, as that's typically what you find at the end of a book. And if you, if you didn't, uh, someone has torn it out. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. They, they, they mistook it for an autograph. Exactly, exactly. Tried this eBay. That's how. That's how you. Um, that's how you get rid when you want to get rid of a book that someone you sort of know has has sent you, and it has a very personal message on the front page. Um, yeah. And you didn't like the book, and you just want to be rid of it. You all you have to do is tear that page out. I've, and I have done this. Future yes. readers won't even realize it's missing. Yeah. yeah. Was it wrong for me to to admit that this is the thing? I think it's good to admit that that's a thing <laughs> because I think it's okay to um, let books pass out of your hands, even if they have yeah. been inscribed. Um, you know, that it, it's not, it's, there's a feeling, I think more on, on, the, on, on the behalf of the person who received the book than the person who signed it, that to, to have a, you know, a book that somebody assigned to you, is something like the life bond, uh, you know, like if somebody saves your life, you are, you know, indebted to them, like for the rest of, of, of your life, you sort of yeah. owe them <laughs> yeah. a space in your shelf uh, in perpetuity. Yeah. And uh, that's, you know, that's an uncomfortable relationship. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. I've certainly said to you, and I've probably said on this podcast before, my my first, very first experience of this was finding, back in the days when I would self-Google, uh, a listing on a used book site for one of my own novels, and it said, inscribed by the author to the author Chris Offit. <laughs> and I realized that Chris had sold <laughs> or given away a pile of books, including one of mine, and I realized, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> number one, don't Google yourself, and number two, it's per this is perfectly fine. He doesn't have no. to keep that book forever. He moves around a lot. <laughs> he, do he does. He does. I have. I personally has, have moved all <laughs> his shit for him, and I know exactly what it's like. So you've moved the, the stuffed raccoons and the uh... <laughs> the big um, the big wad of uh, the big wad of his uh, his poker winnings. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of old Missoula days, yes, um, I remember uh, my first publication, which is a little chapbook called Toolkit, from yes. the Miriam Frontier Award, and lovingly inscribing it to everybody that I had was even acquainted to with, and then finding, or maybe you found the copy I had lovingly inscribed to uh, Alicia in the trash <laughs> of the Roselle <laughs> almost immediately. Like, it wasn't even like moving day. No, no, it wasn't. No. Yeah, we all still lived in the building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. That's fine. It's fine, though. Fine. Uh uh, well, I'm thinking. I think things, about those things days. Are, things are uh, things are ephemeral. Yeah, things are definitely ephemeral. But um, I think about. I'm thinking about those days more and more because um, I am uh, because I'm having a kid again. And the first time I had a kid was in that building uh, 24 years ago, and and I lived in that building. Um, 
and uh, you know, it's rendering me nervous, excited, and uh, very nostalgic for for those days. I I I feel like I feel privileged to get to to live through that uncertain time again, as though I'm still in my twenties. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for you both. Thanks. So anyway, yeah, I'm. I decided to write a crime thriller. Um, I had been I had been working on a, I guess a literary novel with quasi science fictional undertones, um, and it's not that it was bad or even that it was. I guess it was going badly. I had spent two years just pecking away at it and only had like fifty pages, which is very slow for me. Part of that was the pandemic, um, which had rendered me kind of uninspired. Um, and I figured, well, you know, I, then I got vaccinated and life was starting again. And I thought, okay, I'm used to this crap now. I should be able to write this thing. And I just became so angry at it and at myself. Um, and then was, uh, was out walking with Stephanie and was like, maybe I should, you know, I, I said, I wish I could just throw this out and be a thriller writer. (laughs) And she was like, and you can't do that. Why? <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, but what would I write? And then I just tried to think of the most preposterous cliches that I could mm-hmm. as a joke. And I mm-hmm. said, you know, how about like uh, twin sister con women uh, on the run from a, from a murder? Um and uh, their and their mom was in the CIA, and there's and 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 she's like, ha ha, yeah. And I'm like, ha ha, yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, wait yeah. a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, interesting. Because yeah. and I realized that you can think of every plot is a cliche, of course. And as soon as you start thinking of the specifics, it begins to turn into something different. Um, and I started getting really excited and went home and started taking notes and um and then just spent the rest of the summer um rest of the summer writing it. And then fretting about fretting about the people not like no one has read it yet. I've sent it to you and to a couple of their friends and to my literary agent. So presumably you all will have some opinions soon. But um but I uh, uh, I was complaining incessantly about the possibility that it is bad. And I saying, what will I do? What will I do? And <laughs> Stephanie said, well, then you'll have had a grand old time writing it. <laughs> That's like, a good perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Which is true. I had a grand old time. It's also, I mean, it could be bad and successful. <laughs> I know. I'm, I am open That's, to that. I mean, that's, that, uh, <laughs> um, in fact, you might prefer it to be um, bad, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure it's good. However, yeah. Well, I, there's a big difference between a good thriller and a bad thriller too. I, after I finished it, I went and reread a couple of Lee Child books that I like, thinking mm-hmm. was were these actually as good as I remembered, and they actually really are as good as I remembered. And I and I also remembered what sets them apart from your average, uh, you know, crime pot boiler. Um, and I hope that I put some of the not the specific things that he's putting in his books, but the you know the kind of um, the uh, the kind of acuity that he employs in discharging these these books. I hope I've I've remembered to do some of those things in mind. We'll see. I hope you've uh, employed and some acuity and that 
you will discharge it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was just wiping my wiping my <laughs> sneakers on the carpet, and uh, mm-hmm. and then I and then I touched touch my notebook, yes. and the acuity went zapping onto the page. Yeah, that's how that's how writing works, people. <laughs> this has been masterclass. Yeah, thank you, J. Robert Lennon. And you, of course, this you you knew I was writing this because I had uh, called you a couple of months ago. And described, I said, I'm going to describe a, a person to you, and I want you to tell me where <laughs> in Seattle she lives. Mm-hmm. I got it right, and you yeah. did it. Yeah, Boyle Heights, I think, or Crown well, Point. I went with uh, I North went Ballard. with uh, Everett, and she's she's oh, shopping right. at a at a thrift store in Ballard. Yeah, um, and there were other locations that you supplied that that uh, got that I managed to get in there. So yeah. that all seems very plausible. Yeah, ever it's an interesting town. It seems to be given my. I taught at the community college up there for a few years. Oh, really? Uh, and I would take the bus up or drive. Um, and uh, you know, one thing about Everett the uh, the house um, from Twin Peaks is in Everett. No way. The Laura Palmer house uh, is oh, in Everett. Oh, oh wow! The exterior. Yeah. Yeah. Have you have you driven by? Have you given it a peek? No, okay, no, but I, I, I Google mapped it uh, or street viewed it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know exactly where it is. Um, Boy, if you if you live in that house, you have to have a sense of humor about this stuff. Otherwise, your life is just going to be a nightmare. Well, the the people who live there are the people who answered the door at the end of the return. <laughs> you mean, you those, mean are the, the- <laughs> those are the actual residents of the house. <laughs> no way. Absolutely, where they were at the time. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> you know, this, I'm sorry. There's no one here. There's no uh, that that person. And then you know, what year is it? Oh man, oh. one of the one of the greatest episodes of one of the greatest television shows that has ever been. That and episode eight. Episode eight is something else, man. <laughs> yeah. I still. Um, I'd like to see all that on a big screen someday. Yeah. Um, Cause that'd be cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a lot, it's a long time to sit in a theater. Got nothing but time, John. <laughs> I uh, haven't sat in a theater for a long time. They're open here again, but yeah. uh, I don't, 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 don't feel like it. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I'm tempted to go see the the James Bond movie um, mm. because it's such it it would feel so normal, but uh, of course it won't it won't feel normal. Um, but maybe it would. Maybe. I don't know. Do I want to wear a mask for two hours in a theater? I'm not sure. I don't know. Wearing a mask at for me at this point is, and I think for most people is just kind of so, such second nature that barely even think about it. Yeah. But in this case, the purpose, the purpose of going to the movie theater would be to, to feel the nostalgia of pre pandemic days. And I would, I would, it's, it's not a big deal. Obviously I wear a mask all day at work and um, when I go into the supermarket and so on. So it's, I'm not bothered by it inherently. Um, It'd be hard to gasp. Like there's a moment in the, in the uh, 
it's you know, hard to, to, to show astonishment. I guess also would, you don't yeah. feel you don't feel the it's hard to see a comedy with the mask because when you're wearing the mask, you don't feel the obligation to express emotion with your face. Do you wait? Wait, you feel an obligation to 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 or smile? Or at least there's something involuntary. You know, there's something something there's something involuntary, and there's something voluntary about how emotions play on one's face. Yeah, right. Like laughing in a room full of other people laughing in a movie theater. Some of that's involuntary if it's mm-hmm. funny. Some of it is social face stuff. Yeah. With the mask, you don't feel like you have to, so you might not laugh as much. You know, that's an interesting idea. There's um, there's a passage in the new um, Sally Rooney novel that I'm reading right now, where one of the protagonists, um, so far at least, the book has a um, has a very detached third person. It's a very sort of uh, Salingerian camera's eye kind of third person with just the lightest little dips into um, into free and direct. Uh, but for the most part, the narrator is describing from the outside the things the characters are are saying and doing. And uh, it introduces one of the characters by showing her sitting at her desk at work all day and looking at the internet and um, saying that sh- her posture and facial expression don't change at all, regardless of what she's seeing on the screen, whether it's uh, social media posts or an infuriating article or a or like a jokey text message or what have you, um, and I think that's referring whether it's to- uh, I can has cheeseburgers or uh, <laughs> beheading. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. All this long. yeah. And that's that. That's my search history. <laughs> you know. in, the, in the spirit of full disclosure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I need, I'm looking forward to reading that. I uh, be good. I want to read that and the new Lauren Groff book, uh-huh. which also came out yesterday or the day before. Yeah. Um, should be awesome. Great. Do you know her? I do. We're in a poetry discussion group every week. Oh, that poetry discussion group. She's very smart. I only know her from Twitter, uh, but she does seem very smart. My discussion groups are still going on. <laughs> yeah. My uh, poetry discussion group, which is great. And it's a little smaller. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about like three poems or so. and um, But the, uh, the, the book club, which is some of the, the same people and, and more, it's about 10 of us, all, all of us on Zoom, is uh, uh, Tuesday nights. And these two things are the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the the core of my uh, social life. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, uh, we're reading uh, her husband right now about Plath and Hughes, the biography of sort of their marriage. Uh, it, oh, it's a, a nonfiction. And, uh, nonfiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know what we've got coming up. So, and then we were reading the poems as well. So, um, so it's fun. It's, it's a lot. It's, uh, I really like talking books 
Yeah. With people, with smart people who, I mean, some of them are, are novelists and are writers, but a lot of them aren't, but they're like really accomplished creative people in other fields. And it's, it's nice to have, to hear, uh, you know, it's always nice to hear smart people talk about stuff, but it's interesting for it to be from outside of their specialty. Yeah. You know, it's not so much how did this get written or all of the book world stuff, you know, it's sort of a, a, a tougher audience, mm-hmm. anyway, you know, it's for whom if they don't like it, it's easy to uh, forget it and not have to contend with it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're, yeah. if you're <laughs> kind of a book person, you know, whether you like it or not, you have to sort of contend with it for the rest of your life yeah. as if it, as if it had been signed, you know, to you and you can't get rid of it. Yeah. And it's true. This is one of the, one of the, one of the things that made me pivot to writing a thriller <laughs> is my vexation with the, with the, um, I mean, I lo- other writers are my favorite people, but also there's something burdensome out, out there in the wilds about having read a book and having a, an opinion about it because yes. someone's going to ask you what your opinion is and what your opinion is means something socially right. that you may con- get fired if you have the wrong opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you might. Or people near you may get fired. Yeah. Or at the very least you'll be, you know, you'll be friend fired. Um, what friend, friend, fi- friend fired pizza. Yeah. Friend fired potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but this idea that um, that normal civilians—I better write that down—that um, w- normal civilians can uh, read a book and they can like it or dislike it, and saying I like it is enough, and mm-hmm. saying I don't like it is enough, and they can think about it again in their lives or never again, and it's yes. all fine. Yes, it's fine. It's healthy, I think. I think it is too. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. Not everything has to be. uh, uh, I'm not. uh, This is not necessarily a feature of our current age in Twitter, um, but it does magnify the sense that a uh, uh, that that almost anything that is put forward is to some degree an affront. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Even if it's good, there's some aspect of it that is unforgivable. There was a, um, I think this is kind of corollary to, and I, this is, I'm not judging this because my, my own children have benefited from what I'm about to describe, but it is that need to identify as something, um, the, the desire for people out in the world to, you know, to not simply be, uh, whatever complex thing they are, but also to have a, um, sort of subscription to a group, you know, that yeah. they identify themselves as part of. Um, where I think that's less useful is in the literary world, where uh, people array themselves into camps, and um, uh, you find that you have to justify your opinions to a degree that tra- that kind of transcends the the content and style and accomplishments of the work, or even your own eccentric taste which you ought to be allowed to have but um i tend to i've stopped saying after a while on twitter i stopped saying when i didn't like something um mm-hmm. because it would result in preposterous overreactions and then then i had to stop saying when i did like something as well um mm-hmm. 
there was a some some uh, jackass our mutual friends enjoy dragging all the time had a tweet today that was to the effect of like oh well if you think that the argonauts is the pinnacle of maggie nelson's career i guess you haven't read bluettes and it's like okay why don't you just say how about here's another way of framing that if you've only read the argonauts and think it's good, you might also enjoy Bluettes. That no. book is terrific. No, instead it's, you stupid moron. Exactly, exactly. And my, 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 my for, format-based mockery of it was, oh, you like Thing? Well, guess what, idiot? Other Thing. Yeah, duh. Duh. And I just, yeah. I, I just think that framing of... Um, I really do long for that. Oh, that. Oh, I like that book. Oh, I didn't. I thought that one part was dumb, but the rest was fun. Um, you could say that you don't like or like something without offending somebody, but I feel like the desire to be offended, to find a piece of turf and then aggressively defend yeah. the piece of turf, um, however, whatever meager scrap of ground it is, uh, is is yeah. kind of yeah. is kind of ruining casual discourse, which used to be fun. I think it was, but yeah, you know, all of these, all of these are not minor factors in the joy that I take going to work in a Bolton rivet warehouse. Oh, out of an English department. Oh, that is a wonderful pivot. I'm so excited. Uh, I was going to ask you about this. Yes, I love my new job. Go on. Um, it's, and I think this is true. I think all jobs might be kind of fun and <laughs> as a lazy dilettantish, you know, pretend bohemian I've, I've had to, uh, as a poet, um, you know, uh, cultivated this Dane for work. Turns out it works great. Yeah. You know, turns out poetry is bad. Poems are fine. <laughs> poets, 99% of poets are the most miserable motherfuckers in the world. And the 1% are my friends. The 1% remaining are the, the people I'm acquainted with yeah. who are magnificent. But, uh, uh, yeah. Give us some tales of, of the, the world of bolts and rivets. Well, did I send you the link to White Horse Machinery? Uh, you might have a long time ago. This is one of our customers. Okay. From somewhere in, like, I'm guessing Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, Amish or Mennonite company that makes horse-drawn plows. The world's leading offset supplier. No, no, that's that's the UK white horse machinery. Oh, okay. Pennsylvania white horse machinery. Okay. And uh, other white horse machinery. Yeah. They have a catalog which has photos of beautiful horses pulling elegant plows that require very specific uh, square head, um, wow. non metric screws. Look at this stuff. What we specialize in. Oh. Mm -hmm. Oh, these are beautiful. Who yeah. Who is buying these? Are these 
hobbyists or other people i i think in the um horse powered agricultural community yeah wow i think a lot of amish and mennonite uh farmers great and probably some hobbyists here's a here's a two-way sulky plow mm-hmm. are you seeing the horses Oh my God, they're beautiful. They're magnificent. Look at their Belgian. behinds. They're, they're yeah. shapely behinds. Big modeled behinds. Yeah. These, they clearly, I've never thought about this before, but of course, if you are trying to sell beautiful handmade uh, farm equipment, and very, very much in the way that if, you, um, if you're a clothing manufacturer, you want to get some hot people to model your clothes, you got to mm. get some sexy fucking horses to drag these plows, man. They're mm-hmm. all they're all identical in color, they're mm-hmm. they're beautifully groomed, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they're just in a neat line dragging these dragging mm-hmm. these gorgeous implements behind them. There's some very loamy soil. Oh, it's it's so loamy. <laughs> oh, but not a rock in it. No. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's what heaven looks like. Yeah. yeah. With the landscape behind it. I'll definitely it's like a Kumar. Uh, who are the, the the artists? Komar and Melamed. Yeah, Komar and Melamed. Komar and Melamed. Yeah, it's like this is the image that that <laughs> contains all of the details that people would like to see. Oh yeah, the uh, w- the uh, what was it called? Yeah. The the world's most popular song, most wanted song. Yeah, most wanted paintings. Yeah, those those are good. We have clients who are repairing, uh, like things like merry-go-rounds, um, like the the little train that goes through your city park. Oh yeah, specialty bolts and rivets. Yeah, um, and the like. So, I, 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 ha, the people, the people you you are supplying these things to, are they a breed apart? And if so, in in what way? Well. We it's it's mail orders and you can purchase these things through the internet. Okay, we have a page. Sure, quite simple. <laughs> we ship worldwide. It's quite straightforward. Well, why don't you? What's the name of the a company? Lot, uh, blacksmith Bolton Rivet. Okay. Many of the people um, who are like tinkerers who are drawn towards um, projects that require. Um, unusual bolts, rivets, washers, uh, carriage bolts, elevator bolts, yeah. leg, leg bolts, certain uh, shapes of nut. Um, not always computer savvy. So we get five or 10 phone calls in which we're basically filling out the form with them on right. our own internet. And that's when we get to hear the stories of uh, <laughs> the projects. Yeah. Because they, uh, they need to tell somebody. Uh, and uh, none of them are, none of them are working on, on something uh, that's boring. That's delight. I'm delighted to hear it. Some of them are a little long winded. Sure. You're because you're, you're the one who understands. You're the one who can be made to understand why they need the special bolt. Yes. Uh, it's, it's it's magical, quite like it. But that's that's all, that's part of it. So the other side of the business is uh, 
we rent out uh, equipment for uh, nonprofits having like auctions and galas. So we send out like iPads and laptops and printers mm-hmm. so that you can have your, you know, fundraising dinner, school auction or golf right. gala or something. Very different, but that was the first business. And then the pandemic happened and the owner bought this other business. And now they're running them out of the same warehouse and we yeah, all okay. kind of work on both of them as the workload uh, requires. Two, uh, two very different kinds of tools uh, commingling in one warehouse. But they're all different kinds of fasteners, John. Mm-hmm. All binding, as Alphenaeus Alf- Kircher said, the world is bound with secret knots mm. and specialty fasteners. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. think he said that second part. I haven't been to the Museum of Jurassic Technology in a few years, so I, I need to brush up on it. <laughs> um, uh there's a there's a store um, on the road out to Trumansburg uh, from here called Ithaca Pools, and they sell swimming pools and billiard tables. Nice. Do they have a like acreage around with uh, um, pre-made swimming pools stacked on their side? Like the molds? They don't actually. I think that their showroom is very small, and you're mostly going to be looking at stuff in a catalog. You see that sometimes from a train. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like there's parts of parts of America you only see from a train, and some of those parts uh, are junkyards, and some of those parts are uh, uh, where they store um, prefabricated swimming pools. You know, one of the best notes you've ever given me on a novel. Um, mm-hmm was uh, my book on the night plane and there's a someone arrives in in Chicago on a train mm-hmm. and um you said he looks out the window doesn't he maybe he maybe he sees some stockyards <laughs> and I was like of course he does of course he yeah. sees some stockyards and then later he goes into a restaurant and this in the first chapter um it ends remember. up on the, the boardwalk with a parrot or something. Yeah, I think so. Um, that's a great That's a great piece of writing. Thank you. Um, there's another bit where he goes into a restaurant, and your note is maybe it's a steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true that a guy like this wouldn't say restaurant. He mm-hmm. would he would go into a steakhouse, and it would be called the steakhouse in his mind, and he would see a stockyard because he is an animal guy. He is a, a rancher, and he rancher. would be on the lookout for the stockyards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, thank you. <laughs> um, I like my job. I like. I, I, I'm often there a little early. Yeah, ten fifteen minutes before everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, uh, and I, I get to go in and kind of open it up, which is which is nice. Yeah, it's like uh, being a stage manager. Yeah. Or like showing up to the gig a little <laughs> early, you know. Uh, That's probably the shame of my rock and roll career is always showing up at the club way too early to scout out the stage and tape down the the mic cables and adjust. Those the places mixer. don't smell good if they when they're empty. <laughs> no, they don't. 
Right? You saying they do when they're full, though? No, they smell like, you know, people. people. Yeah, they smell like normal. Yeah. No, they they don't. You're right. Mm. Little beer, little bleach, little death. Little smoke from 15 15 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little death, if you know what I mean. I don't know. Um, so you haven't been playing the rock and roll lately? You've been doing the uh, electronical I've been music. doing the electronical music, yeah. I actually, this, so before the pandemic, if if you work at Cornell or you're a student at Cornell, you can apply um, for, there's a, there's a biennial um, grant project uh, that the Cornell Council for the Arts runs. And um, you it has a theme and a, the theme for 2020 was supposed to be swarm. Um, and they, they like to think of interdisciplinary stuff, like term ideas that can be applied to different parts of Cornell. And then you, an artist who works at Cornell in some capacity, can apply for a grant. You, you have a project idea. You describe the project, tell the, what resources you're going to need, who else is going to be involved, and how it connects to the theme. And me, my a friend Trevor Pinch of the history, uh, no, what's it called at Cornell? Science and Technology Studies, often at other places called history and te- history and sociology of science. But he's a science historian and synthesizer player. Um, and our friend Jim, who I've played with a lot, Pitsnagel. Um, yes, Pitsnagel. We decided to apply to do because Swarm. There's all kinds of synthesis stuff that is related to lots of small things harmonizing, but imperfectly. Right, it's a it's a deeply satisfying musical idea. And then when I looked into the behavior of animals swarming, there was more stuff that applied to uh, that applied to the way music can be composed and performed. Um, and of course, Cornell has this big library of animal sounds at the Lab of Ornithology, and that that are free, and you can, you can listen to them. And I sampled some of them, and we're turning some of those into musical elements as well. So. So we got the we got the grant, um, and it was very the, the way you can spend the money is very specific. Um, it was mostly going to be for a big performance that the public could attend, um, and then the pandemic happened, and it kept getting pushed back and pushed back, and then finally, um, it was time for the the next biennial, <laughs> and they just decided they dispersed the funds. And they still had these strictures on how they would be spent, um, and I was—I just kept asking for confirmation, like, "What are we gonna? What are we gonna do?" Like, I have this money in my research account, but I'm only allowed to spend it on a thing I'm not allowed to to do. <laughs> so, what do I do? And they said, without saying, "We wash our hands of this. <laughs> do whatever you want. Just yeah. and if you make up, if you make something." that the Great. community can listen to let us know was the, was the sort of winking, you know, they just wanted to put it behind them. So we're making, we're making a record. We were, we're getting together in Trevor's garage and uh, have been recording our swarm tracks. We did two sessions. We're going to do one more in a couple of weeks and um, we'll put out a CD and drop off a pile of it at the, <laughs> at the ca- council of the arts. Um, is there a point, in this whole process where you all have to wear bee beards. <laughs> I should hope so. <laughs> That's upcoming. That's yeah. Not, 
thought that might be the like the, the first step in the swarm project would be the arrival of the bee beards. Yeah, I, I, I should hope that that well it's yeah, the bee budget uh is a is the lion's share of our of our grant yeah. money. Yeah. Because you have to pay per bee. <laughs> PPB, paper yeah. B. Paper B. Yeah. So yes, that's what I've been doing. I've been doing electronic music. I've been writing country songs. I'm aware of that. How has how how is the and I you um I think since we last did an episode, you sent me some uh some preliminary mixes of stuff you were recording. I thought it sounded great. They sounded pretty good. Uh and we're going to monkey a little bit with those. We're going to go back into the A-Frame studio next month and mm-hmm. try to knock out um, a bunch more. So I'm kind of getting ready for that. Is this going to Trying be Trying to make a- decisions before we go into the studio instead of while we're at the studio. I I think that's a very good idea. Turns out that might. We'll see if that works. Is the studio owned by one of the participants and you're doing this for free or are you paying somebody? Um, the... The engineer um, kind of runs the tech side of the studio for somebody else. Okay. And so we are um, using it at uh, paying a tiny bit. All right. So you've got a little not, not wiggle the, Not room. the going rate. But, you got, you, you know. you got a little room to be inspired in st- inside the studio, but... Yeah, we're kind of like filling in between real bookings. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good arrangement. So is this, um, will these eventually be issued under a name? Will it be your name or will it, or have you named the ensemble? Well, it, feel, it, it feels like an ensemble, but the, everybody seems to feel like it should just be my name because that's the kind of. Yeah, but it, you know, you got, it's gotta be, it's country music. It has to be Ed Skoog and the, and the something somethings. Maybe. And we'll see how country it actually ends up being. Yeah. I mean, oh. Um, it sounded pretty country to me. I mean, it's country, but it's it. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what it sounds like, and then <laughs> figure out what's the best way to uh, uh, politely offer it for for listening <laughs> <laughs> in a way that that won't make people uh, uh, mad. Okay, so so not playing it through giant speakers outside a compound where a, no, no, that's lo- where a lunatic is holed up with rifles. We might do that, or we might just like like find like somebody who really likes good music and talk to people who to the people who live next door <laughs> into playing it on like some bad speakers outside on like a uh, during kind of quiet hours. <laughs> the, the- you just reminded me of did I tell you about my parents' problems with their next door neighbor in uh in Phillipsburg uh Easton PA Easton sorry I don't think I've told you about this oh dear so my parents were friends with these people he he is a, the guy's a retired cop I'm not sure what the woman's background is this is the same house the parents are in the same house that uh, they've been in for a long time. So yeah, fifteen, fifteen 20 years? years ago. Yeah. Um, well, I, th- I, I think you've been in this house. Yes. Okay. Um, so it's a quiet suburban development, basically. 
and the neighbors were friends of theirs. They they would socialize together. And then one day, my mother went over there to talk to the lady of the house, and the woman, while my mother was talking, turned her back and walked into the house and closed the door. And then my father tried to go over there and talk to them. And the guy said, just leave us alone. We don't want to talk to you. And then they wrote to them and said, we don't understand. Did we say something to to upset you or offend you? Like, you know, my mm-hmm. parents, they're they're pretty pretty gentle, friendly folks. Like, it's yeah, unlikely. I can't, I, can't, I can't even, I can't fathom anything they could do that could make a neighbor <laughs> treat them so rudely. No, it's clearly... It, it, it's clearly something has happened with these people that um, that's mysterious and but beyond beyond our can. But anyway, so um, but not beyond our uh, speculation. No, no, certainly not. Um, <laughs> so let me give you some more details of what happened next. Okay. They installed first. They uh, they installed outdoor speakers pointing at my parents' backyard. And every time my mother would go out into her garden, um, the lady would look, watch her through the window and then turn, blast Lead Belly's big fat woman over the loudspeakers. Um, that's perplexing for a lot of reasons. <laughs> it's psychotic. One is... Uh, um, I mean, it's just, it's not a, a reasonable description of your mother. No, no, she's, she's none, she's none of those things. Um, it's, it's so weirdly aggressive. Um, but lead belly, I mean, that's kind of, you know, that, you know, that's, that's, I, that's, that's a deep cut. You know, that's, I, I, I do, th- a- I do think though that she, <laughs> Stephanie and I had to figure out, she was disc- she'd never heard the song. She's like, it's a, bl- it's a blues song. But yeah. I don't know what it is, and then we f- we figured it out um, with some strategic googling. I think the lady just googled, it was googling insults followed by the word song. She's not a lead belly. She's not. A She's old, probably uh, not an aficionado. Well, you never know. You never. You know, as long as we're speculating. So, and then they installed a sprinkler system, so that when my and that had a, attached to a sensor, a, a motion sensor. So anyone who walks out my parents' driveway gets sprayed with, with water from the sprinklers. And then they put up a like an eight-foot wooden fence. And on the outside of the fence, facing my parents' house, they put up <laughs> they put up a um a big uh, like yellow road sign with a cow on it. Jesus. <laughs> I just don't get it. My mother eventually marched down to the police station and and um yeah. and got their promise that if it escalated that they would do you know they they're not doing anything illegal it's but it's you know it's just general harassment. Um yeah. and it's they've the lady has kind of it was mostly the the woman. The guy is just ignores them. But the the woman has been aggressively hostile to my mother in this mysterious way. Um, And they still haven't found out. There's still no indication of what changed. 
something. Yeah. Uh, that's sad. It's really sad. Yeah. Imagine having to monitor your neighbor so that you never fail to harass them when they step outside. That's that's a, that's a terrible way to live. Oh, it's sick. Yeah. yeah. That that person is is uh wrong in the head. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Is the term that people doctors use. Yeah. I'm country <laughs> <Actually>, doctors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't listen, yeah, yeah, good luck with that. Have you did you listen much to uh, Lee Hazelwood? A little bit, yeah. Strung out on something. Do you know this album? Uh, I'm about to find out. Highly recommend it. The songs are fine. It's not like the best Lee Hazelwood songs, who is a great songwriter. Right. But they all have a two or three minute uh, monologue before the song. Really? Um, the little story. Um, and they're all insane. And they're telling <laughs> basically like this, you know, the, this harassment story would be a good uh uh, prologue, and then the song is only tangentially related to the uh, the preface. Well, why don't you? Can what's a, what's a one a one that you like that we can uh, we can put on bring up on the YouTube for the listeners? Black. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm gonna fly. That's that's the one I. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to fly. Yeah. All right. He got, what is, okay. Got him. Uh, what a, what a strange looking man, a distinctive looking man. He's, his face is so mournful. A little rangy and mournful. Yeah. 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 It looks like, uh, if, if Paul Mall's cigarettes were a man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh huh. <laughs> <This is> him. <laughs> uh, so you want to pivot to the to the food and books uh, portion of the of the show? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm excited because um, my favorite little meatball place mm-hmm. called Twenty Fourth and Meatballs. I think I've talked to you about uh-huh. um, is now 24th uh, in meatballs and pizza. Oh, uh, really? During the, the pandemic, you know, places changed to, you know, accommodate the needs and yeah. being uh, like kind of much like the specialty bolt and rivet business. I mean, it's a niche. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, meatballs, uh, you know, having four or five very fine kinds of meatballs, uh, delivered on like a small bed of kind of buttery penne pasta. Yeah. It was, it was excellent uh, in a niche. But what the people needed over the last year and a half was, you know, good pizza. And Portland has no shortage of good pizza. Um, but every place is kind of busy and you have to wait for it. So they realized, I think, that they had everything that they needed to make good pizza. Yeah. Like, uh, ovens, bread, and meatballs. <laughs> and meat, yeah. <laughs> so they started making uh, pizza, and it's magnificent, and it's our new favorite pizza. Here 24th on the, and meatballs and pizza. Yeah, here on their website, they have a graphic um, that says, we've got pizzas, we've got meatballs, 
we've got meatballs on pizzas. Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty great. Is what it says. Uh, yeah, this is this is great. This is a great website. Also, they have here something I've never thought of trying with a um, with a meatball sub. They have a, a meatball sandwich here, a, a piece of uh, you know sliced um, like a like a like a ciabatta roll or something sliced down the middle, and then you put the, they got the meatballs in it. Then they seem to have put cheese on top and then baked the whole thing. Yeah, they bake the whole thing. Melting and crisping the cheese on top of the meatballs and yeah. then some herbs sprinkled on the top. That's very nice. The quality dish. Excellent. Uh, I just got back from um, uh, Rosh Hashanah with my uh, in-laws. Uh, also, our infant nephew, oh. who to- now, who's almost a toddler. He's eight months old. Very, very adorable. Oh, I just want to say one thing about him. Is at that stage where... a that couple of month burst of insight where the, where the baby, the, the mirror neurons are firing like crazy. And he's kind of, fig, you know, he's watching people do stuff and is trying to do it himself, just beginning to do that. Um, yeah. You know, he's making lots of noises. Um, he'll probably say his first words pretty soon. So, but um, there was this moment where for some reason, his mother, my sister-in-law was um, snapping snapping her finger and surely he surely the kid has seen snapping before but there was something about this moment he had been eating his you know eating his little little bowl of baby food Mm -hmm. and she was talking to us about something and started snapping her fingers and it you could see you could see in his face his utter astonishment at what he was watching that she was making a motion with her hand and was making this extraordinarily loud sound and he was completely transfixed and everyone laughed because it was so yeah and then he his little his little greasy food covered hand you could see him just he's beginning to move his fingers against each other he's like how is mama doing it that's brilliant it's not making any sound but he's like there's something, if I can, there's something I can, and then she could just, it was just this great moment of like, uh, you, you, you see a person apprehending an astonishing thing about the world and realizing they might be capable of it. So, but anyway, so. Well, your nephew is, is clearly a genius. Oh, well, there's no question about it. Um, I didn't, I didn't think of snapping until I saw my sister-in-law do it. Um, it has never occurred to me at all. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, they're very good. Uh, there was, um, Tagalog, the, the dessert, um, that is a pile of crunchy, uh, crunchy things and dried fruit, um, sort of lashed together in a matrix of, of sticky honey. Um, Mm -hmm. Stephanie made some honey cakes. Uh, my mother-in-law made, two different kinds of delicious meatballs, some of which I just had for lunch. And Stephanie uh, is the, the family um, uh, uh, knish expert. I like a knish. Yeah, I think um, I think the recipe she uses is uh, this smitten kitchen potato knish uh, mm-hmm. with extra onions in it. So I'll, I'll link to this for people. But... Um, Stephanie, like, to, to, 
doubles or triples the amount of caramelized onions because caramelized onions are the greatest. Um, but it's otherwise a very reliable recipe. So I just had a, it, my sweet tooth has been um, stimulated to the point of nausea at this point, And I, I don't want to eat another sweet thing for the rest of my life, but it was delightful. Good. Um, Jill's parents are having their 80th birthday party tomorrow. Their birthdays ah. are near to each other. Um, and so they're having a joint 80th birthday party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jill has been, Jill and her brother and sister have been organizing it. And one of Jill's uh, duties as the, uh, I guess the sister lives here too, but living kind of in, in the city, um, has been uh, getting the food organized. And they decided uh, they'd requested barbecue. And so we got to spend the last month sampling barbecue from various <laughs> places oh, yeah. around town, which was a real hardship. Real hardship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we settled on the people's pig. <laughs> heavy, 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 yeah. uh, heavy is the yoke. It is upon the uh, the barbecue tester. It's the the yoke that stirs the oxen <laughs> and the plow that it drags behind it. <laughs> so, um, what were the what were the front runners, and uh, have you chosen a winner yet? We chose the people's pig. Okay, great. It's very good. Uh, ribs, brisket. Despite the title, it uh, it, it offers a, a surfeit of meats. So we're uh, getting uh, pork ribs, beef brisket, um, chicken for the vegetarians. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, maybe pulled pork or something. Then we're going to make cornbread. Yeah. The cornbread recipe in the, the big white food Bible, the best new, um, uh, what's it called? The best new. Joy cooking? No, no. The other, the other one is from the. Uh, um, oh, the silver, the silver palette. Uh, no, no, no. Ladies. Uh, There's lots of big old cookbooks is what I'm saying. This is, this is the big one that we all have. Anyway, it's, it's good. It's the uh, test kit. America's test kitchen book yeah about 10 15 years old really good cornbread recipe um with uh green onions and uh and all that and uh i I have i think i'm supposed to make the coleslaw Uh, we have a csa which is a new thing this year for us and that's been fantastic and there's been cabbage great in it so i think i'm going to be able to make uh coleslaw for 40 people with uh I don't know, three head of cabbage, I think. Great. Yeah, yeah we, I, I must say, we uh, Stephanie found this uh, CSA in Trumansburg. The reason I'm, I'm driving past Ithaca Pools all the time is that we, we go out to the farm to pick up our produce. And um, you there's, in addition to, it's like 25 bucks a week, and you get a giant, the nice thing about this one is you get a giant bag of whatever you want. You go in there and you can choose in whatever proportion you desire the vegetables you want to eat. It's not like they choose for you and you just pick up a box, which is the way most CSAs operate. But in addition to that, you can do all the you picking of stuff that you want and not many people are doing it. So there's an an enormous uh, surplus of vegetables. So we practically, you know, uh, double our our haul sometimes with all these delicious, fresh uh, fruits and vegetables. What are you getting? You getting turnips? You getting beets? Um, you getting 
definitely beets. Um, and I made, I just made, um, I may have recommended this on the show before, but um, it's uh, it's this Zatar beet dip. Zat, it's, you know, this is, it's on the internet. Um, on, looks like food, foodandwine.com or myrecipes.com or something. Foodandwine.com. The page is not loading for some reason, but um, it's a it's a spiced beet dip with zatar, and you sprinkle goat cheese and hazelnuts on top. I just made a big batch of that for for Rosh Hashanah, and um, we, I've actually kind of gotten into eggplant, a vegetable that I didn't used to like at all, um, but uh, that Stephanie's really good at. And there's a really good uh, eggplant. Um, Korean eggplant recipe that uh, Mangchi, uh, that's in Mangchi's book, eggplant. That sounds good. I've never, um, I've never rejected eggplant other people have made, but I, I don't, I don't think I've ever tried to make it. Try to make it once. You have to salt it a bunch first, right? I think to. Uh, I guess maybe. I don't know. I'm not. It hasn't been successful to draw Texture. out the moisture. Yeah. 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 Okay, you've linked to the cookbook you're referring to. That's the name to. of the cookbook. Yeah. Oh, the best yeah. new recipe. Best new recipe. It's cooked, new it is recipe. Cooks Illustrated. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, great. I'll, I'll I'll link to it. Uh, um, it has the best chocolate chip cookie recipe I've ever made cookies with. So what's different about it? Um, well, the proportions. It's a. Uh, it. it uh, it calls for, he says, even if you're not making it with coconut, put a little coconut in it. Like, even if it's not, even if it's not consciously going to be, even if people aren't going to say this is a coconut cookie, it's like, you know, put a tablespoon or some, put a little coconut in it. But then also the technique is you make, uh, make the, the ball and then break it apart and then put the two halves together. So the top of it is kind of, um, like you like you pulled dough apart, and so it's kind of got that uh, 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 sea monkey castle sort of look to it. <laughs> I don't mind that it took me about five seconds to get there because that's that's a very specific thing. Yeah, yeah, a rock crystal uh, look to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> and then something about that makes it. Uh, um, just makes it bake into the perfect cookie. Okay. Wise. That's very good intel. I'll, I may uh, grab a copy of that book. I also have one other recipe. The, your, the cookie thing reminded me of, I have discovered really the best uh, pancakes I've ever made. And I've now made them a bunch of times and they've come out well every time. Is this Ina Garten recipe for banana sour cream pancakes. The th- there's three unusual things about them that uh, really make them. One of them is um, is the sour cream. Uh, there's some milk, there's some eggs, and there's sour cream in it. And the sour cream is it's the thing. It's the perfect thing. It makes them incredibly uh, fluffy and gives them an extra extra tang in the flavor. Uh, also, there's lemon zest in the yeah. batter, which yeah. also makes all the difference. And finally. Her, I when I would make banana pancakes in the past, I would I would slice up the banana, and then I would put the pieces in the batter, um, 
And uh, what she recommends is you don't put them in the batter. You have you ch- chop up the bananas, you set them aside so they're ready to go, and then you pour the the each of the pancakes on the griddle, and then you arrange the banana chunks evenly across the top. So um, it's hard to get them evenly spaced um, when you put them in the batter. But the real reason for this is when you flip them, the, the, the sugar in the banana caramelizes and crisps up. And it makes this extraordinarily ro- roasty, crispy, um, uh, you know, followed by this sort of liquefied banana, my mouth is watering just thinking about it, on the underside of the pancakes. And uh, it's absolutely delicious. Sounds great. Of, co- of course it does. Um, yeah. Um, but it's a, it's an unlikely um, combination of things. It, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Do you taste all of them separately or do you... Uh, does it create its own? No, you taste the bananas separately, but the the lemon zest and the sour cream um, just con- contribute to the generalized deliciousness of it. I would say. Um, okay, so you've you've linked, given me a link to uh, one, one last thing. So yeah. This is a restaurant that one of Oscar's friends' uh, dads is the uh, just started uh, as the sous chef at this place. It's beloved, recent. It was a food cart, and then it opened a restaurant, um, which people like to, uh, which the racist proud boys like to throw, uh, break the window, and shoot with paintball guns. Of course, they do. Uh, shalom, y'all. Um, I've only ever been for lunch, for a nice, uh, like falafel plate. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he's part of our little bubble. Um, this place looks delicious. Uh, yeah, it's close to Oscar's elementary school too. So, I think this is going to be our uh, after-school uh, snack place. A lot of nice little snacky things there yeah. as well. We've got. I've just got. It's hard to click through to the menu because they wanted me to put in my address. But um, oh. there's there's they'll serve you some olives, some green salads, zatar fried almonds, quinoa chopped salad, uh, beet tahina. Roasted eggplant, hummus with pine nuts, hummus and fried cauliflower. Um, oh, chicken shawarma, baby, for the vegetarians. Yeah. Falafel bowl, fried cauliflower bowl. I mean, it's I like, all stuff that you. It's a lot of stuff that you would get. You could get at a deli, but it's uh, not only are these the things, but they're really good at them. Yeah, you know, yeah. Kind of normal things done particularly well. Great. Yeah, I wish I could uh, come out and uh, and visit it. Well, you'd have to. Uh, everything here is eating outside. There was some brief return to indoor dining, and I suppose you still can, but nobody seems to prefer it. Um, yeah. Uh, you don't. You don't have a. You don't have harsh winters typically, though. No, but it, it's gonna. You know. You know. In a couple of weeks, it's gonna start raining, and then it will yeah. rain to. Uh, um, you know, next spring. We had a harsh summer. Yeah. 116 degrees. Yeah. Killed all the fish in our aquarium. Oh, it was no, too hot, really? Too hot for tropical fish. Oh, God. But, you know, that's weather. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, 
then let's have lunch Do you want some lunch? Well then we'll give you some lunch Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well then come to lunch Cause it's time for lunch Box with Ed and John That's right, it's time for lunch